0: is the CTO and co-founder of Queenly, the leading marketplace and search engine for the formal wear industry. Kathy graduated from the University of Pennsylvania with a double major in computer and environmental science. After that, she was a full-stack software engineer at Pinterest, building end-to-end products from the ML data backend to web and mobile front-end applications. Kathy will discuss how Queenly came to be, and how being a female software engineer in Silicon Valley has shaped her into being an elite businesswoman. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Lady Empire. I have such an amazing guest here with me today. Kathy, thank you so much for being here.
1: Hi, Elle. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to talk to you.
0: Absolutely. I'm so excited. And I first just want to start off with you talking to us a little bit about your childhood, your upbringing, where you grew up, and and sort of the story behind all of that.
1: Sure thing. I guess that what, is, what we really like to emphasize for myself and my co-founder is um, what's not super common about not only us as two female minorities running a tech company, but um, we both come from pretty underprivileged backgrounds. And we really like to emphasize that like it's, it is harder for founders to come from that background. And so for myself, I am a Chinese-American immigrant. I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and my family growing up didn't have a lot of money. Um, so I had to really work hard to get scholarships and part-time jobs and internships to pay for things like college and to uh, really like make my mark in my career. And there are also a lot of other challenges in my childhood. Um, one big thing is being uh, alcoholism and alcohol addiction ran kind of rampant through um, throughout my family members, through a few family members during my childhood. And there are a lot of other uh, domestic, domestic issues that I've had to face. And that's honestly been such a personal mental health struggle as I graduated from college, as I got my first job, um, even the pressures of running a company. And I feel like having to grow from that journey and having to find a certain level of resilience, but also trying to find a new community for myself um, and being able to connect to my co-founder that way, that's really important to the story of Queenly. Wow. That's so fascinating. And
0: um, talk to us a little bit about, you mentioned college. Talk to us a little bit about
1: where you went, what you studied. Yeah, I went to the University of Pennsylvania, graduated in 2015 and studied computer science and environmental science. I actually didn't know how to code until I was about 19. Uh, It was something that felt really inaccessible to me and also felt super intimidating. But it was something that I wanted to do because I love to build things. I love to create. And so being able to code. And even though it was such a struggle at first, like I thought I wasn't good at math. I thought that I was really, I I called myself dumb so many times and cried so many times because I couldn't fit out certain algorithms, couldn't figure out certain coding homework assignments. Um, But that was, that was a really valuable experience. I think I built a really good community of mentors, of peers that have really supported me through that. And Um, yeah, again, that's also super important to what I'm super grateful for, for um, ending up becoming the tech co-founder of Queenly. And so I know
0: that you had a couple internships either during college or right after college, but I want to just talk about a specific role that you had as a Um, software engineer at Pinterest. So talk Mm -hmm. to us a little bit about how you got involved with Pinterest and a little bit about your role and your experience while working at Pinterest.
1: Yeah. So I was super thankful for my experience there because um, a lot of people toy with the idea of starting a company right out of school. And I believe that my four years there where um, I built and develop my skills in web development, iOS development, some Android, a lot of the data science, a lot of the data pipeline that was at Pinterest. Um, That was all super pivotal because uh, for anyone out there, if they're looking to become like a technical co-founder or a CTO, it's super important that you're able to Be able to teach yourself new skills and pick up uh, different things across the stack. Um, So that was super useful because uh, actually when we started Queenly, it was a part-time side project and I was able to uh, sort of do that while at Pinterest, um, do that on the side. And I think that what was also inspiring was I was at Pinterest during their time of IPO. And seeing them really grow, um, basically the number of employees in that office, like quadruples when I was there and um, looking at things like metrics and growth and seeing that growth scale of a startup was really motivating to be part of. And so that helped kind of push me in a way. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think
0: one question that a lot of us are wondering, you know, when we hear that you're a software engineer and you're doing coding and things along those lines, did you experience any sort of a gender bias while working at Pinterest or just in San Francisco alone, um, being in that software engineering space as a female?
1: I think that what's people are seeing a lot of is that when it comes to things like biases or misogyny in the tech industry, um, when women don't nearly have as many privileges as men, it's a lot more complicated than in your face misogyny, right? Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily, um, sexist remarks being thrown at you. It's a lot of very subtle things where, um, what what is really great about what I've experienced at Pinterest is that um, I have seen a lot of women in higher up positions and a lot of support and community around female engineers. Um, that being said, the with the gender breakdown of engineers at Pinterest was still about like I think only about like 20 um, not even thirty percent of the total engineering um, number of people right. and I think that, it's still skewed towards, um, and you see that at a lot of companies where more of the women tend to be in junior roles. And there are, uh, when you go to higher, higher up the chain, there's uh, less women in more senior positions. Um, it does seem that there, there are still trends like that. And um, there are still little biases that um, you might see in like certain meetings or in certain um certain interactions. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the whole issue of the gender differences in tech is so complicated because I think there's so much that we need to do to resolve our own biases and to talk about these because it's so much more than just like blatant sexual harassment, though that's a big problem. It's it's just so nuanced. Right.
0: And so you mentioned a little bit how you were able to sort of have Queenly as a side project, but talk to us a little bit about how you fully made that transition into founding Queenly and truly being dedicated to it and sort of moving away from Pinterest.
1: It's definitely a very challenging journey, um, making that decision of like when to take that jump. And for myself and trisha for the thought process of how we thought about it is um we tried to de-risk it a lot so it's much easier to uh go fundraise and to officially start a company when the product is released and when you have that traction of our first thousand users of our um, first uh, few thousand in sales back in 2019. Mm -hmm. And so around that time, we uh, did this, uh, we also did this um, startup retreat. It was this like really fun one week retreat in Hawaii where we got to meet a bunch of YC founders as mentors and we got to meet a bunch of other startup founders and having them basically tell us like, hey, what you're doing is worth your time. You should have quit your jobs months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's important to have that external uh, motivation, that external support, because sometimes like sometimes you always have that doubt in your head about like, oh, should I really quit my job over this? Is this really the right time? But having other people sort of validate you really helps a ton. <laughs> absolutely and you know we've kind of mentioned
0: queenly a couple times now and i really want to dive into exactly what it is the mission your goals um so you are the cto and co-founder of queenly and talk to us a little bit about how it got started and why it got started yeah
1: it got started from a lot of it is from the personal experiences of my co-founder, Trisha. And she has been competing in pageants and um, also modeling for quite a few years. So her background was actually what gave me the domain introduction to that whole um, formal wear fashion industry domain. Uh, she actually helped me, mentor me through my first pageant. And That was basically the genesis of Queenly where um, it was a community that she really wanted to start to create uh, a platform around, create an app around. Um, And uh, Trisha and I had been friends since one of our internships. Um, When she was in Berkeley, I was at Penn, we were back in college. And so basically while I was still at Pinterest, she asked me to, she basically like told me about this idea. And at that time, like I also grew up in Boston where no one really wears dresses that often. People wear like foot pants to school dances. People like never dress up. (laughs) So at that time I was pretty hesitant. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I mean, it sounded like a good idea, but uh, basically she mentored me through this really cool Asian American pageant called Miss Asian Global. Um, really great community. And I really got to understand the fashion aspect of it, the um, industry domain, and then really started thinking about the tech challenges around it. So when it comes to the search engine, the recommendation systems around this uh, whole uh, ecosystem of formal wear. Um, and that's sort of what, um, that what, that's what gave me the push. And uh, pretty much, when um, after the pageant, I started coding on it as a side project, and Trisha started um, securing partnerships for us, uh, acting as like twenty four seven customer support. And um, at some point, like that, kept snowballing. As I mentioned, the uh, the the startup retreat that we worked on, and then it snowballed into being able to quit our jobs, being able to um, raise our first pre seed round. Wow, that's awesome. And so
0: um, I think a lot of us are sort of wondering who can really benefit from Queenly. Is it sort of a service that you offer? Is it its own pageant? Um, Talk to us a little bit about who should be looking at Queenly and who can really benefit from it.
1: Yeah. Apologies if I didn't make the one sentence pitch Too clear, but Queenly is a marketplace and search engine for formal dresses. So, even though we started off um, from our core community in pageants, it's way, way more than just pageant dresses. Uh, A lot of women have used Queenly to find their wedding dress, uh, especially during the pandemic when so many in person stores were closed. And a lot of people, um, along with that, they found dresses to wear to attend to a wedding. And one of our biggest markets uh, is the Gen Z market when it comes to uh, the prom and homecoming uh, events. And so that's where a lot of that's where a lot of our user base, our community is. And our whole vision around it is that it can be the first thought in your head when you want to uh, buy a dress, but also when you realize like, oh, instead of having this dress that I, like people used to just buy a fancy dress just once and spend hundreds of dollars on it. And then it'll just sit in their closet. But um, now they can feel like they can manage their money and they can not break the bank when they um, spend this time and effort on these dresses that they love for these events that they care so much about. Got it. Got it. That's awesome. And um,
0: I think a lot of us also are wondering um you know, what exactly goes into being a CTO? Are you doing a lot of coding or is it sort of more um, at a larger scale of business operations? Talk to us a little bit about um, the role of a CTO.
1: Yeah, for my role right now, I think the best way to look at it is what does a CTO do at certain stages? And so for the longest time at the pre-seed stage, I was the primary engineer. Um, I was the one that built and launched our iOS app, our web app, um, our API backend search engine, all that. Um, and then, and at that stage, you really do have to uh, wear a lot of hats and you really do have to really understand your code and take ownership of the code base. Um, so it is a lot of responsibility in that aspect. And I say that now, um, as our team has grown to three engineers and um, eight full-time people in total, we um, the way my day-to-day responsibilities are, I'm still pretty close to the code. I still push code every day, but it's also just trying to think about like being able to scale up those responsibilities. So being able to be a good mentor and manager to your team Um, I believe that the key to being a really, um, impactful, valuable engineer is having those people skills, having those communication skills, um, being able to handle the responsibilities of a founder. So like Mm -hmm. basically like hitting certain milestones that would, uh, set up Queenly to succeed for our upcoming series A in the next year or so, and so forth and so forth, Mm -hmm. um, as well as, uh. Being able to like build our company um, brand and culture by talking to wonderful people like you on these podcasts.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I'm so glad to hear that you got some help. Um, I was hoping you weren't the only engineer still. So I'm so glad to hear that, you know, Queenly is growing and that you can get some help.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've been really grateful to have these excellent engineers on our team. Um, shout out to uh, D Downs and Juliet George. They are two really excellent engineers that have built everything from our web front end to our internal tools our API. Um, I think it's a really wonderful opportunity though, to be able to see that. Cause like, I guess like people, people don't know if at this stage, you're um, you're coding every day, or you're spending your time uh, managing people, and it's such a it's such a mix. It's such a different day to day, every day. It's it's a blend of both, and it's hard to describe. Um, yeah. It is a lot of different hats to juggle. <laughs> oh, I bet I
0: can't even imagine. Um, and so that's what another. It leads me into the next point of. You know, what are some major challenges that you ladies have faced trying to get Queenly off the ground and continue to make it grow? Um, You know, whether that's being females in tech or females in San Francisco, or, you know, what are just some major challenges that you guys just haven't fully accomplished yet that are just super challenging?
1: Yeah, two of the biggest ones. So, one is what you've mentioned being women fundraising. Uh, I'm not sure how common the statistic is. It's pretty much a meme at this point, but um, only 2% of fundraising dollars goes to women. And hearing that uh, when we started fundraising was absolutely brutal. And it did honestly reflect on some of the quote unquote feedback that we've gotten from certain VCs who they do things like they doubt our technology. They even question whether um, I guess they always assume that like, if they see two female founders that neither of us are technical, that we, we get a lot of unfair doubts like that. Mm-hmm. And being able to fundraise in Silicon Valley as two female minority founders is, has been always a challenge. Um, we've worked really hard to overcome that. And so it's, continue to be in a battle. Um, and then another, another pretty key aspect of basically the timing of our growth was that the pandemic basically happened, um, really early on in the, our company history. And so, uh, Trying to create a really sustainable formal wear business when uh, proms were being canceled, when weddings were being canceled, we really had to think that on our feet. We really had to um, work to adapt and overcome for our business. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine that. And, um, you know, you kind of mentioned a little bit about um, funding and venture capital, and I when I was doing research on you guys, I saw a really cool fact about, you know, the different people that backed your business and that helped to fund your business. Um, A few examples were the CTO of Uber, the CPO of Uber, um, the CEO of Fitbit, COO of Walmart.com and Sam's Club. And I mean, those are huge companies and um, you know those level of people are so huge and prestigious. and I think a lot of us want to know how were you guys able to gain um, the trust from those types of individuals and those types of companies and to really get them to believe in you
1: guys. Thank you. yeah we're we're super thankful to have these investors on our cap table. For the um, for the CTO and CPO of Uber, those were people that uh, Trisha, um, my co-founder, have built a personal connection with while she was a uh, exec recruiter at Uber, um, and I think that's a that's common advice that we really like to share is that. When you're building your career at all these companies, it's important to maintain these relationships. It's important to build valuable relationships um, so that these people who have been successful in tech, they can help you and um, you can get something more out of your, uh, I guess, like your regular corporate job. Um, For myself, similarly, I was able to um, build relationships and, get angel investors from um, people that were head of partnerships, head of machine learning at Pinterest. And getting all those uh, notable names on our cap table kind of helped snowball um, and build our legitimacy and credibility in Silicon Valley. It is it is kind of a names game in Silicon Valley still. Kind of um, trying to build your brand, build your credibility is sort of based around like being able to, um, being able to play the game successfully per se and being able to secure those really valuable relationships, um, and really communicate to these people, like how much you care about the startup that you're building and how much, um, you value their mentorship. mm mm-hmm and it seems like you and Trisha are
0: really good partners in that you both had experience at you know some of the big biggest named companies where you were able to establish some of these relationships and carry them on through you guys starting your own company which i think is super important like you mentioned in silicon valley it's really a lot about the relationships you have and how you talk to people how you play the game and you know, it sounds like you guys are just, you're killing it. And I love to hear that. And I love to hear, you know, the relationships you guys are building out there, especially as females. I think it's awesome to hear.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We're, we've been super grateful that we've been able to, uh, build our careers up that way. Mm -hmm.
0: And so what is, your overall goal with Queenly? What do you guys really hope to accomplish and really want your consumers to gain from this?
1: I think from the tech side of things, what when people think about wedding dresses and prom dresses, they've thought of it as a really low-tech industry. Um, I mean, for decades, women, instead of being able to shop for their dress on Amazon, or sorry, just shop for their dress online, um, to find that perfect dress with your body measurements, with your favorite color and style, like you'd have to drive around for hours and go to boutique stores you've never heard of. Um, And so what's really fascinating from the data science part of it is being able to create that aggregated search engine, being able to have really, um, really thoroughly uh, accessible data on this. So similar to how you can search for like any anything on Wikipedia or Google, um, being able to find a dress with like knowing like all these things that you want out of your dream dress should be that easy. Mm-hmm. And I think that for a big part of this is because a lot of what you see in the machine learning industry and the data science community is that they're still pretty male dominated, and so a lot of the research, a lot of the scientific work done there hasn't um, been geared towards women. Like, there's not, there's like not too much on fashion. There's not too much on um, dresses, and so we are really the company, the community that breaks those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only are we trying to break boundaries for women um, by being able to support different uh, body measurements, different skin tones and whatnot in our, I guess, in our product. But we're trying to break boundaries and um, really expanding that field of machine learning, data science, that field of technology.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's so exciting. And I'm so excited to hear where Queenly goes. I mean, even just learning from you tonight, we've learned that you know, Queenly is really growing at a rapid pace. And that's so exciting to see. Um, and I also just wanted to highlight something great, um, that both you and Trisha earned December 1st was being named to the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, be having your guys's names on this list. What does it mean to you? And do you think this can sort of help Queenly in any way?
1: Oh, thank you so much. And uh, honestly, it's been such a huge honor. And we've been super excited. Uh, It's been so surreal just seeing our names on the list and seeing Trisha on the cover of the arts and styles section for Forbes. Um, I, I think I mentioned this before our podcast, but basically they don't confirm or tell you about whether you're on the 30 under 30 list until it comes out. And so um, once we uh, once they reached out to us months ago, um, we were both just sort of nervous about it. We were both like, okay, we'll fill out their survey. Um, was really, what was really cool was that uh, Trisha got to, she was the cover star for the arts and style section. So she got to speak at their summit and do a photo shoot. So seeing that was just super fun, a super fun experience. Um, but for girls like us, I guess girls that come from poor families that don't really, uh, don't really have much and don't really expect much out of life. It's been so much more than what we just sort of like expect out of ourselves. And so it's, I guess it's, it's something that's like, it's a very like cliche rags to riches kind of thing, but, and it's a very cliche, like American story. Um, and I know that it's also just a, it's just a huge like privilege and it's just like a huge thing that, um, neither of us expected, but, um, I think it, it really helps because I think we've, we put so much blood, sweat and tears into Queenly and we've, we want so much for, our industry, for our community to be respected in Silicon Valley, that um, where I know that um, these stamps of approval aren't the ends, the uh, the end all to all things, but it it does signify something. It does mean something emotionally to be able to take that step in the right direction. Absolutely, and and like you said, I feel like this isn't
0: the end all be all. It's more of your starting point, right? It's sort of a starting stamp of approval and like, Hey, you know, all of our hard work is actually being recognized. And this is sort of the first step to that. And that's so exciting. And congratulations to you both. That's such a huge accomplishment. And thank you. (laughs) Yes. And I think many young entrepreneurs Dream of being on this list, and so that's so exciting that you ladies were able to be on it, and it's so well deserved.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, and um, honestly, we couldn't have done it without our whole team at Queenly, and without like, without um, the community, the people like you that we've built relationships with on the way there. <laughs> yes. Absolutely.
0: And I kind of just want to close out our interview with a fun fact about you that I do with all of my guests. And this might be a difficult one, or it might be easy. We'll see. Um, (laughs) And my question is, who is your favorite designer and why?
1: Who is my favorite, my favorite designer? So yeah, any sort of designer, um,
0: you have any sort of any pieces, any fashion, any any clothing lines, any sort of artistic designer who is your favorite?
1: I think it's really hard to pick. Um but one designer that's um she's been a longtime friend of Trisha's, and she is a Um, pretty active Filipino fashion designer named uh, Vijay Floresca. Um, She's Filipino-American now. She lives in LA, but she's been pretty active in the pageant community, has really like expanded her work a lot. And um, I've gotten the chance to meet her and hang out with her. And um, she's been, uh, she's also a trans model and a trans uh, pageant beauty queen too. And I guess that sort of uh, thing resonated personally with me. Um, The fact that she was able to overcome certain challenges, certain biases in all those intersections of industry she was in. And um, I love the gown she's created. She's designed a few gowns for some of my friends. And um, I guess like she's the first name that pops into our head because uh, we actually support uh, selling her collection as um, on Queenly and that's like designers like VJ are the reason why we made Queenly because it's not just about um, resale dresses in people's closet but it's about giving this platform to many different designers who um, are up and coming who are struggling to find success or a bigger audience and being able to I guess like being able to give people more options, the end shoppers more options, but being able to give more opportunities to all these designers, boutique store owners, uh, different people um, trying to make it in the formal wear industry. And I'm so happy you didn't mention a cliche designer.
0: I was hoping you had some sort of <laughs> a personal connection or a story to a certain designer. So thank you for sharing that. I love that.
1: Oh good. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad. I mean, for opportunities like this. Um it's all about just having just being able to support other people too and being able to support the other people in our community too.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um
1: so Kathy,
0: where can we find you on social media? Where can we follow what you're doing and see what you're working on?
1: Uh yeah, so Queenly is on the App Store as well as the Google Play Store. Um, Queenly is also queenly.com. That's Q-U-E-E-N-L-Y.com. And for myself, I am on Instagram, um, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, I think I should be there if you just search my full name.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything you shared with me tonight. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And I think me and all of my listeners are excited to see where Queenly goes.
1: Thank you so much, Elle. And really great talking with you too. Thanks for taking your time out of Christmas week (laughs) 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 for hanging out with me for this half hour. (laughs)
0: Yes, I'm a little crazy. I made her schedule her time during Christmas week. So thank you so much and Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate. Um, I hope it's special because you deserve it. Thank you.
1: Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you too. (laughs)